Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, this is All Saints Day, or at least the commemoration of All Saints Day. And so, it is this day I know that many of you look forward to because it's a day that we get to celebrate those who have gone before us in the faith, the saints that have gone before us, if you, if you will. And one of the regular assigned readings for this day is from Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, Jesus' words of comfort and peace and mercy and love to those who live in the broken realities of this world. Specifically, verse 4 of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Appropriate, I think, for this All Saints Day as we think about those who have gone before us in the faith, but mourning the loss of a loved one isn't the only type of mourning that happens in our lives and in this world. And so, using our epistle reading from 1 John chapter 3, I want to touch on some other aspects of mourning that happen in our life today. The, the first type of mourning I want to talk about is those who mourn being ordinary and unknown. Now, the desire for fame, to not be ordinary, to be famous, to be popular, that's nothing new. Uh, all we have to do is look back a couple of generations or a generation to the Beatles, and how crazy kids would go at Beatles concerts because someone famous was there singing. And the desire that individuals would have to, to be famous. It used to be that to become famous, you had to really work at your craft, whether it be become uh, uh, an evangelist, a popular evangelist like Billy Graham, or, or whether it be a, a, a popular concert pianist, right? <laughs> or whether, whether it be a sports star or a musician, right? Someone who is really good at their craft. But in a world of social media, even that has really gone away. How many quote-unquote, famous people are there out in the world today just because they've created a YouTube channel that's popular or they've happened to create just one single post that went, what's the word? Viral, right? Everyone knew it, right? So fame is the desire for many people and that, and that has been accelerated in a world of social media to the point that 
a survey, and I think this survey was done over a decade ago. So I would think that the numbers would just be accelerated even from then. But a, a survey of millennials done by Pew Research said that fame is the first or second life goal for many millennials to become famous. More so than becoming married, right? They, they want to become famous more so than becoming married. I think that was for like one out of nine people would say that, right? Uh, one out of nine would say they'd rather become famous than go to college and get a degree. Some would even say, and this is a few, but there are people out there that said that they would burn their family bridges, if you will, burn their family relationship if it meant that they could get famous. The desire for, for fame is out there. And so for many, the idea of being ordinary, being unknown, working a typical nine-to-five job. I, I think of my, uh, a friend of mine down in the front range who lamented working for Amazon as a, de- a delivery person. He felt, oh, there's so much more for me. But what we as Lutherans understand is that Yes, sometimes fame is is a good thing. There are famous people and God uses them. But if we pursue fame at the expense of our vocations in life, our vocations as, as husband, as wife, as parent, as child, all of a sudden we can see fame starts to become an idol become something that we worship other than the one true God. When we look at our Lord Jesus, was he famous? Yes. No. Sitting back 2,000 years from now, we can say, well, yeah, of course, Jesus is famous, right? Everyone knows about Jesus, even uh, people, who, people who follow him, but even people who deny him, they still know about him, about maybe some things that he said, things like the world's favorite, judge not, lest ye be judged, right? Um, they, they know Jesus was a historical person. But think about Jesus in his day. He was born to the wrong family in the wrong place. Ever think about that? When the wise men went to find this new king, where did they go? (laughs) To humble peasants in Bethlehem? No. Their first stop was Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, the capital city. And who did they go to talk to? Herod, 
the famous guy, the king. And they quickly found out God's plan was different. That God wasn't using fame to further his kingdom, but was using the ordinary, the common. Later in Jesus' ministry, he's asked by someone if he could follow, if that person could follow Jesus. Jesus' response was this, Foxes have holes, birds have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He was homeless. Is that what you think of when you think of a, a famous person? Probably not. It certainly wouldn't show up on uh, the television show Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. In Isaiah, chapter, uh, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 43, verse 2, tells us this, that Jesus would have no beauty that we should desire him. Wasn't exceptionally attractive or didn't have a particularly uh, impressive stature and physique. And on his way to the cross was Jesus famous that time when everyone left him were keeping their distance from him, were denying him, were looking out for their own skin. How many followers did this famous, did famous Jesus have at that point? Zero. And yet... 2,000 years later, from the perspective uh, of Christians uh, today, we, we can see that God used this common, ordinary person to change the world, to change our lives, to change our hope. That maybe the desire for fame in and of itself, not a bad thing, but shouldn't be the ultimate thing that we strive for. First John, says, says this in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 1. The Father, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is because it did not know him. Hmm. I wonder if that speaks to this idea of fame and popularity. I think it does. And yet, our, our Lord Jesus, who wasn't that well-known in a sense at that time of his ministry, <laughs> he knows you and me. He knows, as he tells us in Matthew 10, the hairs on your head. 
For some of us, that's more. For some of us, that's less. Jesus knows. Jesus knows us as children. He loves us. He cares for us. When we, we come to communion, that's a, another place where the Lord promises to us that he knows who we are. That he knew about us long before we even knew about ourselves. So, sometimes maybe we don't need to mourn things like being ordinary or unknown. But what other kinds of things do we mourn in life? Maybe our own brokenness. I think of the guy who I played football with in high school. For, for the sake of this sermon, I'll call him Matt. Not that any of you would know him anyways, but Matt was an incredible defensive lineman, nose guard. Matt was 6'5", 315 pounds, right? No one, no opposing offense ran up the middle on Matt. <laughs> he was impressive. He was strong. He was in the weight room all the time. He, he was deadlifting. He was squatting. He was bench pressing. He was then, when he wasn't in the weight room, he was doing plyometric training. And when he, he was always working on his craft to become a better nose guard, to the point where Matt was offered a scholarship from Penn State. Papa Joe, Joe Paterno, came and visited our little high school, Chardon High School, as he was recruiting Matt to, to play for Penn State. Matt never played for Penn State because he didn't get the grades. He failed a few classes. He lost his scholarship. Brokenness, <laughs> it can come in multiple forms, right? Do you ever uh, mourn brokenness in your life? Well, maybe we, we think of brokenness in terms of our, our body, the ways that maybe our body doesn't function the way it used to when we were 20 years old. Maybe we lament brokenness, uh, our mental brokenness, where maybe we weren't diligent enough in class like Matt, or, or maybe where you took too many shots to the head <laughs> when you were playing football, and where am I again? Right? Yeah. Maybe uh, the, just the deck of cards that you were dealt in life uh, doesn't have your IQ amongst the top 1% of the class. What other kinds of, of brokenness, a relational brokenness that we experience in this world that can hamper our, our, our friendships? Did you, you have something to say, John? Yeah, I agree with you asked me that. Uh, well, I see your hand, and so now I am. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, and I'll just kind of restate this for the viewers online that, uh, yeah, relational brokenness. We, we think back to our families where, and I know as I look out amongst you today that there's been abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, there's been divorce, there's been, maybe there's relationships with your children today that aren't what you had hoped for. And we mourn those things. And yet, we were promised from our Lord Jesus healing. What, uh, in verse 2, it says, it, it says this, that we will be what we will be has not yet appeared. It, sa- it says this, it says, that, uh, oh, let me, I'm sorry, uh, verse 2, that when he appears, that we shall be like Jesus. All right, so this is referring to Jesus' second coming, his return. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. That we are going to be like Jesus. Not, not Jesus, right? You're not going to be Jesus. I'm not going to be Jesus. God is God. Uh, I'm not. That settles that, right? But we will be like Jesus. So what, what, does, what does John mean when he writes that we will be like him? Well, Jesus is righteous. So we will be sin-free. All those negative thoughts, negative words, negative actions that you struggle with in life, that you mourn over in life, gone. You'll be like Jesus. What else? Jesus is eternal. So we will be with him for eternity. That's a good thought. How about this one? Jesus is healed. Interestingly enough, that when Jesus was resurrected, he still had the scars in his hands and in his side, and yet his resurrected was a, a resurrected body was a glorious body, was a healed body. That we too will be healed in body. I've said this before, say it again. My hips will no longer be titanium. They will be like they were supposed to be from the beginning, right? Bone. Uh, we will be healed in the mind. We will be healed in our relationships because we will be like Jesus. And what else is Jesus like? Jesus is like, well, life. He is life. The life. That means that death will no longer have dominion or rule over our lives like it can feel like in this world today. And of course, we think about on All Saints Day how we we mourn death. We mourn those that we've lost, be it a parent, be it a child, or a spouse, a friend that was dear to us. I don't think I even need to 
give an illustration here. I'm guessing every one of you immediately are thinking of someone that you miss. You know who I miss right now? And I was thinking about this. Up to this point, 42 years old, I've been fortunate in life in the sense that I haven't lost a whole lot of people super close to me. That day's coming, unless Jesus comes back first. But when I was playing t-ball in elementary school, a good friend of mine on, uh, on my t-ball team, Devin Smith, passed away from, uh, from uh, leukemia, I believe. And I still remember sitting in the pews at the, at the funeral just bawling. I don't, I don't even really remember what Devin looks like. But I mourn his loss. I miss him. Yeah, we, we can mourn those we've lost in life. But verse, verse 3 of our text says this, that everyone who thus hopes in Jesus purifies himself as he is pure. We as Christians have, have a, a hope in Christ. We have a hope for the resurrection. We have a hope for the return of Jesus so that now death is a mitigated evil, right? Today, death still hurts. We still mourn. We still grieve those we have, we've lost. But it's mitigated so that we can say like the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, that we grieve with hope. Hope for all things to be made new and made right. And on this, the, the, this All Saints Day, we, we look to those who have gone before us in the faith and we do so w- with hope. Their life wasn't meaningless. It was meaningful. Now, I think at, at points, the church has kind of gotten this wrong with maybe exalting or glorifying certain individuals to be sainted, right? So if you're super holy and you perform a certain amount of miracles, then you can be a saint. That's not what we as Lutheran Christians mean when we refer to, to saints. You know who's a saint? You are. I am not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. And so we can also celebrate those saints who have gone before us, our family and friends, and, and those who have shown us Jesus. Here in the Lutheran Confessions, in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession specifically, uh, we're given three reasons why it's there's value in remembering saints. First, we remember the saints and we thank God for giving faithful servants to his church so that the church could be handed down to us today. 
Second, through such remembrance, our faith personally is strengthened as we see the mercy that God extended, extended to his saints of old. How the saints of old and the church of old have persevered through trial and tribulations. Finally, saints that have gone before us can be examples by which we may imitate both their faith and their hope in holy living according to our calling in life. According to the other word there, is there or instead of calling, I could say this, our, our vocation, right? What the Lord has called us to. So we remember the saints that have gone before us and one of the ways that we do so is through song. Song that we're going to sing in just a moment. Any, any guesses? For all the saints, right? It wouldn't be All Saints Day if we didn't sing for, for all the saints. There was... Sorry, let me, uh, almost there. All right, good. Um, let, me, let me just bring out a, two verses, verses 6 and 7 from, from the hymn for all the saints. The golden evening brightens in the west. Soon, soon, to, um, to faithful warriors cometh rest, right? They'll, be, they'll die, and Rest in the Lord. Sweet is the calm of paradise the blessed. Alleluia. Alleluia. But this transition to verse 7. But lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day. This, this is so important for us to, to focus on. That it's not just dying and going to heaven that we look forward to as Christians. Although we certainly... Find comfort and rest in that. But lo, there breaks a yet more glorious day. The saints triumphant rise in bright array. Meaning they're clothed in white garments, right? Revelation uh, theme there. The king of glory passes on his way. Alleluia, alleluia. We, with the saints who have gone before us, Look forward to that hope on this All Saints Day. And so it's in this sense that we can look back to the words of Christ in the Beatitudes. Hear them again. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It is true. To the glory of God. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he comes again. Amen.